0: Good evening, welcome back to Driving Theology. Uh, this is Mike on my way home from work again. This will be the uh, first, I believe, uh, first Driving Theology of the new year, 2017. 2016 was uh, pretty crazy in a lot of ways. Um, you don't need me to tell you that. Uh, but now, you know, the, the only way is forward. Um, Regardless of what you think of uh, Donald Trump and what's going on in America with uh, uh, politics uh, and the, your opinions on evangelicalism and the part that uh, it played in his election and all of those things, uh, it's decided now, and so forward is is the way to go. Um, I hope he does a good job. He does a good job, but. Uh, Regardless of that, um, we know that Jesus is who He is, and He's done what He said He's done, and we are immeasurably blessed because of it, and that's something to be grateful for. Um, yeah, let's talk about blessing for a little bit. Something that that comes up often, and you know, we, we pray for blessings and. and Will ask us to pray that they would be blessed for this uh, with this or with that or you know something they need or, or you know, something they're lacking um, that they would uh, that, that we would pray for them for them to receive certain things or jobs or promotions or to sell their house or to buy their new house and uh, we often pray that the Lord will bless us. And this is something that, that, you know, even I wouldn't do, I suppose. Um, when something has occurred to me, and I'm sure it comes as a result of the different speakers or, or uh, that I've been listening to or, or uh, books I've been reading or whatever, but there seems to be a, two, two types of, of blessings, um, at least. At any rate, I want to talk about two types. One is the type I just mentioned, where uh, there seems to be a need, and we pray for the Lord's favor in in a certain situation. For example, maybe you have a couple who who have been trying to have a baby and they have been unsuccessful, and so. <coughs> We're asked to pray that God would bless them with a child. Bless bless them so that they can see them, conceive. It's a sort of a way that God uh, would intervene in nature, I suppose, and do something supernatural. Um, and so that that's a very normal way of blessing, and it's praying for something that somebody wants or somebody needs, and and uh that, that's another problem, I guess, the difference between needs and wants. But I think it's, it's the, the biblical standpoint that because of what Jesus did, we now lack nothing. That our default setting is complete, fulfilled, saved, uh, content. That we, we really lack for nothing, that Jesus has done it all for us. And so, you know, if we say there is something that we need that we don't have, it seems to me like we might be be walking, you know, that, that fine line between uh, believing that Jesus did what he said he did and not believing that it was all it was supposed to be. Suppose it becomes a comparison thing. In comparison to what Jesus has done for the earth in reconciling the earth back to himself, what else is there? And I found myself saying recently, uh, as recently as last. Jesus did. If what the Bible says Jesus did, and we believe Jesus did, is true. If he is who he says he is, and if he did what he says he did, then really there is nothing else that's important. In other words, everything falls inside of that. And what I mean is, is that if. If He gave us free will so that we could choose not to be with Him. And yet gives us a second chance to be with Him again and did all the work to make that possible, asking nothing of us. And if we then are given eternal life to live with Him forever, free of want and disease and sickness death, well then everything else that comes into your life today really is insignificant in comparison to that. For example, if you know that when you die, you will live forever with Jesus in eternal bliss, then what does it matter to go hungry? What does hunger matter? You may say hunger, taken to the extreme, leads to death. Okay, well then what does death matter? If death is simple a passageway into eternal life that we each must take, why not sooner than later? What, what, what does it really hold on us? So, that seems to me to be a problem. And it's common for us to, be, to, to not be content. It's a pretty common setting, I think. Um, in fact, I, I think the, the fallen human being, the, the human being who knows not a relationship with Jesus, is in the default setting of discontentment. And they may not know what's missing in their life, but they may search multiple places to fill that that void, that hole in themselves. And I think we've all been there. We're all there at one point until we choose Jesus, not just with our mouth, but with our heart. And so, yeah, this this idea of asking for blessings, you know, would you ask that the Lord would do this for me or that for me, I, I, in one, you know, I, I kind of get it from one standpoint, but on the other standpoint, He's already doing everything possible, and there's really nothing more He can do for us. He's done it all. He's taking care of everything, and so, in a sense, we can just enjoy the ride, you know, uh, knowing that in the end, everything's taken care of. Now, that's, that's from, you know, coming from a self, self-serving or, or I mean, in a bad way necessarily, but, you know, talking about the things that you lack, you know, my, my health or, or my livelihood, or my possessions. Now there is, way that we can want the best for other people. That we can, that we can, you know, want somebody else to be blessed with something just because it might bring them a little bit extra joy. But here again, you know, we're walking that line and often we, we step over into not being grateful for what the Lord has done for us. You know, when we say, oh, I can never be happy because I can't live in this house, or I can't move to that town, or I can't work for that job, or I cannot have that spouse. What we're doing is saying in comparison to the miracle that the Lord has done in saving us for eternity, that is making me unhappy, and that is way out of whack. That, that, that will show you just how, to, how out of whack your life is. So it seems to me that one of the one of the ways that we should encourage each other toward is the realization of what the Lord has done for us. You know, really focusing on just what he's done and who he is and getting to know him better through that and deepening the relationship with him because he's done it all. And so the only thing that's lacking in this equation is us. We are incomplete. We are the variable. What Jesus is, Jesus has done for us is an absolute. Um, the, only, the only variable is how much of it we perceive. You know, do we perceive ourselves to be lacking, to be in want? Or do we perceive ourselves to be whole and to have been made whole? By the blood of Jesus. Um, <laughs> now, saying all this, it—I I have to admit myself—it's—it's—it's it's, it's in the head level for me. But it has to start there. I think. I, I think you know, over time, hopefully, we will sit more and more comfortably with who Jesus is, as long as we know. The truth, the truth that we're not lacking, that we have everything we need, that there is nothing more the Lord need do for us. Um, and wow, wonderful thing. I mean, and this, you know, strangely enough, this is offered to the entire world. Jesus has done enough to save every soul that's ever lived on the planet, He's done it all, He's forgiven them. He, <clears throat> <clears throat> defeated sin and death, taken it down to the grave. You know, the miracle he's done was, was a willing thing. But there's a sense where people who believe in punitive uh, penal substitution, they believe that God was so angry that he had to kill somebody because of our sin. And Jesus stepped in the path of God's wrath and took the punishment meant for us. And in a sense, in a sense that there's a way that I can kind of see how that's true, but there's problems with that view if that's as far as you go. Yes, Jesus was a substitute for us, but uh, was Jesus, was, was God emotionally angry, so angry at sin, the God that knew before we ever sinned once that it was coming, that we would do it, he knew every sin that would ever be committed, and he even knew that Jesus, uh, a part of himself, was going to do this from the beginning, that God who, who knows everything. Think he would be suddenly filled with emotional rage that he couldn't control himself, even to the point of killing his own son? You know that that that, that makes no sense in on so many different levels. So there must be something else. Uh, now, have you have you seen Lord of the Rings, uh, the original trilogy, not The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings? Do you remember in the first movie at the end? They're coming out of uh, the Mines of Moria, and the Balrog is is chasing them, and and Gandalf is is, uh, bringing up the rear, and the Balrog, as he's chasing them, Gandalf decides to go on a bridge, and he tells the Balrog, you shall not pass. You shall not pass! And uh, he takes his, his wand, or his staff, whatever you want all the magical thing that wizards carry. And he breaks the bridge with it. And as soon as the Balrog steps on the bridge, he falls through the bridge. Now, just as Gandalf turns around as the Balrog is falling down into the abyss, Gandalf turns around to go, the Balrog has a whip of some sort and he, he, he whips it up and catches Gandalf's leg and starts to pull him down in the abyss, but Gandalf catches himself he catches himself and is able to hold on but he sees that the 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 party are just sitting there watching him and they're not leaving and he says fly you fools and then he gets drugged down into the abyss with the balrog and by the end of the first movie you think gandalf has just died but what we find out uh, in the beginning of the of the the movie uh, the second movie the uh, twin towers the two towers he actually let go and decided to battle the Balrog all the way to the end. He he purposely goes into the abyss with the purpose of killing this demonic uh, primitive force once and for all. That is how I see what Jesus did for us. He tackled evil head on for us. He. He, he he went down with it into the abyss uh, for the purpose of destroying it forever, so that it could no longer wreak havoc on us. And that's what he did with sin and death. He could have saved himself. He could have come back up. He could have done a number of things, but he chose to to, to tackle it once and all for us, once 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 and all. once for all for us and that, that kind of parallel or analogy to me uh, is exactly what, what Jesus did. Um, he didn't have to go down. Yes, in a sense, the, the, the Balrog was pulling Gandalf down just as, in a sense, the sin and the weight of the sin was killing Jesus. But it was a willingness... To go down into uh, the depths, so that we will never have to, and of course, of course, Gandalf comes back in the second movie in a different form, Gandalf the White, after gone, going through uh, uh, pretty much, pretty much uh, an underworld experience, he's changed by it, he comes back in a more powerful Um, so if Jesus has done all that for us, what business do we have asking for blessings? Because there are no greater blessings to be had. He has blessed us beyond measure, each and every one of us. He has tackled sin and death for us. There really is nothing else that holds holds us from Him. He's done it all. So the reality is, we just need to discover how much we are blessed, not ask for more blessings. We are blessed. That's just who we are. And that's who the whole world is. We just need to discover that for ourselves. Another way to, to to say that we need to discover how blessed we are is that we need to to discover just how loved we are uh discovering the the scope and the scale and the depth and the height and the breadth uh, of of God's love for us uh, is really should be each. Uh, each of our, each of our aim, each each of our aim I can't say that right, my English is not quite working today, Uh, each one of us should aim for that, that should be a goal in life, Uh, not to go to church more, not to get more money, not to help more people, but to discover just how much the Lord loves us. And then and thereby allowing that love to transform us into a person who is more loving and more kind uh, and more giving um, inside out, allowing allowing the new creation to shine through us as opposed to trying to meet the expectations of what we think the new creation should have and ticking them off the list. No, it's, it's all about discovering just how much the creator of the universe loves and knows each, each and every one of us. How much does he love you? Let me think about that. How much does God love you? Can you put a price on it? Can you quantify it? And just think about that. Think about all the things individually you have done that were completely against the character or, or opposite the character of God. Contrary to the character of God. What are the, what are the things you've done? What's, what's the worst thing that you have ever done? Maybe something that you still have not been able to forgive yourself about. Now remember that even before God called you, He knew that you would do that. That thing that you have a problem forgiving yourself for, God knew knew that you would do that even before He called you. And yet He has called you and He has afforded you not the position of servant or slave or employee but he has adopted you as his son with the full rights of sonship. You are a son or a daughter of God. He has afforded you that, he has given you that position. So in light of that, what does what what your sin mean? the problem with your sin? The problem is not that you've done it. The problem is that you can't let it go. Because the Lord already has long, long ago. He's forgiven you completely. Even before you did it, you were forgiven of it. Maybe it's a pattern of things. Maybe you have an addiction. The Lord knew that. And yet He called you. Maybe you haven't heard His calling. Maybe you're hearing it now. But in light of the amazing feat of Jesus charging into the abyss to defeat sin and death, for us, mind you, sin and death had never had a hold on Him. But for us, He allowed it drag him down into the abyss and he charged in full force and defeated sin and death by losing his life for us even back up further the universe was made to bring forth mankind. It was made for us. So even though God knew that we would spoil his creation, he built it anyway. Wow, that's amazing. Think about that. He forgave us before Adam and Eve ever sinned, before sin even existed. the love of God is such that it allows us to go away from Him. He does not force us to love Him, or to follow Him, or to believe in Him, or to obey Him. He doesn't force that on us. He allows us to make the choice, and He will never force us to. Will there be consequences for us not choosing to follow Jesus? Very likely. Are those consequences because God is mad at us? He's angry with us? He hates us? No. Those are the natural consequences of the world we chose when we chose to sin. Sin has consequences. It's not that God makes them. So that where the Old Testament terms uh, calamities that come on the people of God as the wrath of God, we might just as well read those as the natural consequences of our rebellion. Our rebellion against God, our, our going away from the Lord. in the limited knowledge of the writers of the Old Testament, they called it God's anger. but couldn't it just have easy, easily have been? Not that God was angry, but that God was allowing us to experience the consequences of sin so that we would make the right choice to come back to him. He didn't make it happen. It's what happened. It's what happens. And and that the only way to create a universe of love is to create a universe of free will. That love only comes through when there's free choice. And I think that's true. I mean, I think it's, it's so simple, it's obvious that without choice, there isn't love. Um, so, you know, when you when you consider what, what you're lacking in your life and, and what you want and the things you want, and if you find yourself getting down because you don't have them, I think you will know, and this is good for you to know, you will know that you you're not quite grasping uh, how much God loves you, and you're not grasping the value of what you've already received. You, you don't grasp it. Sometimes I don't grasp it, and this you know this goes to every single every single aspect of your life whether it's physical whether it's uh, mental or spiritual um, relational you know when you've got problems with relationships maybe your relationship is not uh, as you would like it with your wife or with your children or with friends or with co-workers but in reality the only relationship that really matters and that can help fix those relationships is a relationship with the Lord and that, from the Lord's perspective, is perfect, it's fine, it's given, it's granted. He's given you full access by the power of the Holy Spirit to the throne of God. And that's absolute. How wonderful is that? You know, whatever you're lacking, just remember that you don't need more blessings. You've been blessed with immeasurably more than you can ever handle. And praise Jesus for that. And everything else pales in comparison. And I'm talking to me, right? I'm in fact, maybe I'm preaching to the choir, but but uh you know, this is this is the choir preaching to uh, to the me. <laughs> Again, all of this is in my head, but to get it to the heart level is very very difficult. So I'm gonna have to go in and get some groceries, get some dinner for my daughter, and uh, I'm gonna stop this recording, and I just want to tell you that, you know, you are blessed, you have been blessed with all you need, you lack nothing, so just really try to find the realization that what God has done is enough for you, and just just be content in that, just be transformed by that, Don't let this world and all that it wants and all that it values drag you down. Goodbye.